Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast here from the Manchester Evening News. I am your host Ash Barami and I am pleased to be joined by Tyrone Marshall. Hello. And Stu Brennan. Hello. How are you feeling Stu? First thing I've got to ask is are you feeling better? I am a bit better. Yeah, I've had a, had a bit of a virus and one or two other old age problems. Yeah. But yeah, I'm doing all right now. Thanks. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Nice. I, I lost count a few times during that, that game the other night, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> luckily there's a scoreboard to help. <laughs> You're just excited for this weekend's trip to Swansea, aren't you? Can't That's wait. what it is. Can't wait. <laughs> who, who said that City keep getting easy draws? Swansea's not an easy draw, it's miles away. You've not thought this through, mate. You should have been ill this weekend, really, rather than last weekend. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, things that's experience I should have learned <laughs> we've got to um, get onto the uh, Schalke game in midweek the Champions League win City's 7-0 win over Schalke 10-2 on aggregate I believe but um, it was a very emphatic win by City Stu and um, you've got to you look at that performance that probably is one of City's most emphatic European wins well it is I mean the, the, the statistic I know he struggled with that word the statistic alone proves it doesn't it you know he scores seven goals in Europe in the, in the knockout stages as well you know it's it's no mean feat I mean there are a lot of people after the game saying oh Schalke were rubbish which they, they weren't great to be honest with you but who puts seven past anyone these days I mean City, City did it with Rotherham they did it with Burton Albion but that's a championship team and a, a league one team you know Schalke are in the Champions League uh, they're a Bundesliga Outfit. I know they're just above the relegation out uh, relegation zone, but even so, you know that's the equivalent of City beating a a team from the, the lower reaches of the Premier League seven nil. Uh, they're in a bit of a bit of a shambles, Schalke. But it was a terrific performance. You know, when once they clicked in the second half, City were just just unstoppable, really. Yeah, Ty. I mean, City beat Burton nine nil not not too long ago, and. Obviously, Schalke is a better, bigger club and everything, better club and everything than, than Burton. But there's, there's not, it's not too far away in terms of similarities between them two games, was there? No, they were absolutely ruthless again. It was, it was a Schalke shellacking, wasn't it? Which I wouldn't recommend saying after five points. But I mean, City are just making the extraordinary look ordinary. We're just taking it for granted now that they dish out these absolute thrashings: Burton, Rotherham, Schalke, Shakhtar, Burnley twice. I think is it ten times. Now they've scored five or more goals this season. I mean, you know, the records are just absolutely staggering. I don't, you know, no team in English football, but certainly in, you know, recent English football history, you know, talking before pre-war days here and Dixie Dean, but in recent sort of modern game parlance, no team has been as efficient and effective as City in front of goal and scored goals at the rate they do. It's just absolutely staggering what they do and the way they cut through teams. Apart from Manuel Pellegrini's team in 2013-14, whose record City are now chasing, of course. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did pretty well in terms of scoring, chalking up huge wins. That is true. Um, I mean, I was looking at the stats for that. They, they scored 156 goals in a season, which what? is an English record. Is it on 139 now? They're on 139. The, the record that Pellegrini's team beat was set by the Busby Babes back in the mid-50s. Right. Which was 143, I believe. Right. Um... That was a team that won ten nil in a in a European Cup game that season against Anderlecht. Um, so the Busby, the United's Busby Babes team 
a second on the list. But if City score another five this season, which I'm betting they will do, I think they might score another five by the weekend. To be honest, <laughs> well, they could well do it. They could do it this weekend. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, so if they score another five, they will then we'll have Manuel Pellegrini's team holding the record, and this team will already be in second, second place. Right. But then they, you know, the, the idea is that they could well go on and break. Well, surely, break the surely beat that, won't they? They need seventeen yeah. to equal it. You've got to think. Yeah, yeah. Be no surprise to see another five, six nil, seven nil in there between now and the end of the season. It things do tend to tighten up towards the end. Of, and that that Pellegrini team, bit, it, towards the end of the season, they didn't score as freely because you start getting tired. Yeah. Other teams start digging in. Mm. There's nerves, you know, and you tend to. I mean, we've seen it recently. City, they've had, they've had. Two, three, one nil yeah. Yeah. on the bounce. So, you know, Schalke was sort of a little bit breaking free of that. Mm. But, you know, I, I think things will get a little bit tight yeah. at yeah. the end of the season. One thing uh, Pep said that struck me at the end was him saying that City can play better. How can City play better, Stu? And do you agree with that? Um, he's a perfectionist, isn't he? Yeah. And he, it, also, in the same tone, he was asked about Sane, who scored one, three assists, and the second half was sensational. Uh, and he was, he said, yeah, he can be a lot better. He's looking at other things. He doesn't just look at what we're looking at as, as fans stroke journalists. He's looking at it as a coach. He's looking at the times in the first half when he, he wasn't making the right runs, when he wasn't tracking his full back, when he wasn't doing his defensive work. That's what he's looking at. And in that, that regard, he can be better. He, he said the same about Sterling, who was also very, very good. Um, you know, the things that he wasn't particularly happy with. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can, they, they can get better. I th- and I think, to be honest, I think to win the Champions League, they will have to get better because they're not going to face Schalke again. Mm. You know, from now on, it gets a lot tougher. Um, and they're going to have to... Be defense. They didn't have to be defensively secure against Schalke because Schalke didn't offer anything at all. But you can bet your life in the in the quarterfinals, semi-finals, if they get there, they're going to face teams who are going to present an attacking threat, and that's where City can be exposed. If if you have a go at them, and you're defensively sound, you've got a serious problem. Serious. Uh, chance of upsetting City so they, they do they mm. do need to improve there's no doubt about that yeah it's crazy to think as well Ty that they've got so many of these injury problems and you look at the defence and you look at players like Fernandinho and De Bruyne that are missing mm. that they're still going out in a knockout stage and winning 7-0 yeah it is I mean they've got they've got some squad depth there and now with you know Bernardo's contract and the ports they've got they've got squad depth and a core of a young squad tied down for, for years and years so I think the, the quality of players coming in and, and the way they've perhaps Mares aside you know the, the way those players have come in and taken their chance this year like Bernardo I mean Bernardo has stepped in for De Bruyne and has been absolutely fabulous all season and strong argument I think that he's City's player of the season so they, they've got depth and they've got options which they need if you're going to you know if you're going to compete in four trophies until April, May and perhaps even win all four or all five then you need a, a good squad and a squad that, that's capable of, of hitting these heights. I mean, we've seen it with Gundogan, you know, he's he's really stepped up to the mark in that Fernandinho position of late and suddenly he kind of looks at, at a Fernandinho replacement when perhaps previously we've we've been a bit sceptical. He's looked a lot better in that role recently. You perhaps, you perhaps fear for him if, you know, City were playing Barcelona and he had to play there. 
it's a different completely different kettle of fish but you know he's been superb as well of late yeah and on the topic of Gundogan as well I mean the pre-match press conference I think you'd have been there Stu there was a picture, great picture of Pep sitting next to Gundogan when he was talking about his future and he's kind of just looking almost like I, I don't know I don't even know how to explain what he was just looking at you in eyes wasn't it, it was, just staring intently at every word yeah he was like really in, just cute like he looked so interesting what he had to say like as if like this is the first time he was hearing it what do you make of that contract situation do you think I mean yeah, pe- people always down? people always read things into it. every UEFA press conference you have a man the manager sitting next to a player and Pep it's almost like he's doing it to try and try and crack them up or something because he does it to just about every player the player will be talking and he sits there and he's sort of staring at them intently. <laughs> it's like you do with your mate, you know, if you know your mate's doing a radio interview and you stand behind them sort of trying to trying to phase him, trying to put him off his stroke. It does feel like that. But, yeah, I mean, people are reading a lot into it because Gundogan is, is sort of... We've seen Bernardo basically sit down and say, right, where do you want me to sign? He's been offered a, a good pay rise, he's accepted it, he's signed, and he's now contracted to 2025. So when you see that, and then you see Gundogan sitting in the press conference saying, well, I don't really know, you know, I've got my options, I want to keep my options open, I don't know how I feel about it. But to me, that that's just sensible. He's a smart man, Ilkay Gundogan, you know, and he's... He's he's five years older than than Bernardo Silva. He's had injury problems. His next contract will probably be his last one, so he's he's got to get it right. You know, that, in his head, he's got to make the right decision. Um, he's not been first choice for City. If if they're all fit, he tends to be on the bench. And for a player of his quality, that's difficult to take. And you, you can you can understand that. Um, in terms of the numbers, you don't know what he's being offered, what he thinks he's worth. But he's just being sharp, you know. He's saying, saying the saying the right things to try and get more money out of the club. So you know, I, I don't think it's any kind of indication as where he's at. He also always says there's no better club to be at in Europe. So in terms of strictly in terms of the football, he's saying I'm happy here. You know, it's it's brilliant playing football for in this team. Um, but I want to keep my options open, and that's that's understandable. I I don't I don't read into it as much as, as some others maybe have done. And it's always a good story when, whenever you see that. Whenever you see, oh, he's not signed yet. It's been the same with Leroy Sane. Um, we had it with Raheem Sterling, didn't we, for ages, and then he signed. As soon as he signed, it ceases to be a story. But the longer they go without signing the more we love it as journalists because it just allows us to keep writing the story and pondering, oh, are they going to lose this player? Are they going to lose that player? But, you know, <laughs> there's a long way to go between now and the end of his contract and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he signed again. And it wouldn't surprise me greatly if he didn't sign again, if, if he mm. went back to Germany. Yeah. Uh, because you know, you know, there's a lot of clubs who would take him, the top clubs who would take him as well. The photo, I mean, the photo was it was a great photo and it looked great and it summed up kind of the theatre of that press conference really well. And, and credit to City for for putting Gundogan up when they knew, you know, those questions were going to be asked. And the fact that Pep was sat next to him kind of journalistically added to the the spectacle of it. But you know, both of them. This is this is the football business. People run down their contracts and delay their contracts all the time, and th- there'd be no issue there between it. You know, Pep might have been giving him what looked like the BDIs while he was explaining the situation, but 
Pepper has seen this before. He'll have no issue with it. Yeah. He, you know, he, he might well have done it in his own playing days. But players do it. It's fickle business, and managers understand that. He'll have no issue with. Yeah. You know, he might want to know as a manager what Gundogan's planning, and he might want to know by this summer because it could become a transfer issue for City at some point if he does decide to walk away on a free. But uh, you know, Guardiola's not going to have a problem with it. It's what it's what footballers do, and you know, it, like like Stu says, it could go. You feel like it could go either way. You know, it is his last contract. I, I, I think there's a sense, perhaps, that he would rather be one of City's more advanced midfielders than the deepest mm-hmm. midfielder. So that's perhaps coming into his thinking. So there's a lot for him to weigh up. So, you know, the fact it would be nice if he was signed and sealed as quickly as Laporte and Bernardo, but I don't think it would be causing Pep too many concerns. Yeah, and away from the contract situation, Gundogan on the pitch, he's been playing in that deep of all in midfield. Stu, how do you feel he's got on? Do you think there's tougher tests to come from in that role or is he uh, exceeding your expectations? I think Ty touched on this before. He's He looked brilliant against Schalke. He's looked really good in other games recently. But they've all been games where City have been having 70-80% possession there's been no real threat he hasn't had any defending to do of any of any note um, the problem comes with, with him in that position when you are playing Barcelona or you're playing Liverpool in the, in the quarterfinals or United or any of them to be honest you know whoever City get in the quarterfinals of the Champions League they will want Fernandinho in that position because Gundogan is, is a terrific Footballer, and he keeps things moving beautifully. You know, he's, he's great at that side of the game. But defensively, he's not the best. He's not particularly quick. Uh, he's not particularly aggressive. You do get the feeling that the injuries that he's had uh, affect him in terms of the physicality of his game. He doesn't. He's not somebody you see thundering into challenges. Um, so Fernandinho becomes vital. Uh, hopefully he'll be available again after this the upcoming international break uh, and, and he should be alright but that is a real hole in City's armour the fact that they haven't he is the only real defensive midfielder they've got Fernandinho um, and Gundogan great for the time being especially against this kind of opposition where he just City running the show and he's just sort of linking it all together but uh, there'll be more severe tests for him if he stays in that role yeah, time will tell. And so from a selfish journalistic point of view, guys, who would you, if you had the choice to pick, Ty, who would you want City to draw in the next arm? I mean, Porto's got its attractions for the a very winnable game, a nice climate. I'll be able to squeeze around a golfing over there. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's got its attractions. Do you think so, do you? <laughs> well, that's a fair point. High up. Yeah, if it's a floodlit golf course at one o'clock in the morning, maybe. But yeah, perhaps, perhaps that's a bit, a bit overly ambitious. Yeah. I mean, experience these, uh, these European trips. They're not, they're not the jollies they're cracked up to be, it's fair to say, right. is it? That's right. There's mm. a lot of hard work that goes in, uh, goes in over there. Um, so, yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be a good one. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind Barcelona or something like that. I always think, I, I, I always think draw the draw the best team in there. If you want to win the competition, at some point you're going to have to beat the best team and prove you're the best team. So why not play them now? I mean, obviously Porto is a lot easier to tie than Barcelona, but Barcelona v City, what an occasion! It's the type of occasion City want to be involved in, and you know the, the transformation of the club is for these sorts of occasions. So. 
you know, whether it's now, whether it's further down the line in the semis, those are the sort of games you want, I think. Yeah, feels like whoever's whatever the draw is going to be, it's going to be exciting regardless. You know, it doesn't matter who draws who. You know, it's going to be interesting. But uh, Stu, any team in mind for you? Well, Barcelona's already been done. Mm. It's quite funny, really. Any City fans who not so long ago were fed up with going to Rotherham and York and Macclesfield, they were saying, "Oh, I'm not Barcelona again." We're you know, <laughs> sick of playing them. Let's move on, and play somebody else. But I mean, um, yeah, I mean Porto as its attractions. Last time City played there, I can still remember vividly sitting in a, a roadside cafe with the other journalists in, in our shirt sleeves, soaking up the sun and having a beer and uh, taking selfies and, and texting <laughs> them to our United colleagues who were all in Amsterdam with United, uh, absolutely frozen in about minus three. So uh, <laughs> that's that kind of happy memory kind of advises you. But yeah, Porto port will be good, not just from the point of view that um, it'd be the easiest easiest draw in inverted commas um, it's a good trip um, it's somewhere I've not been for a while um, I take I take Tyrone's point about getting Barcelona out of the way I, I think I think that is a good point because if, if Barcelona go at this stage you're looking at the probability or the possibility of a final between two clubs who have not dominated in the Champions League. You know, Real Madrid are already out, Bayern Munich are out, Barcelona are out. And you, you kind of think if you play them in the in a final, you're at a disadvantage right mm. from the start because they're so used to it. It's just second nature to them. If you play Tottenham in a in the Champions League final, uh, if you play Ajax or Porto, you're on, a, you're on a, an even footing. Both teams are going into it with nothing to lose uh, and everything to gain. Uh, and and it's a new experience for them. So if if you could get rid of Barcelona at this stage, and City are probably best equipped to deal with Barcelona out of the other remaining teams, I would say. Um, you know, if you were going to pick a team to knock Barcelona out, uh, it would be them. Of course, Juventus are the other one. Juventus just seem to me to be perfectly set up for this. You know, that's why Cristiano Ronaldo went there, and you see him doing what he did the other night. Mm. Um, Defensively, they would have a plan if they played City or whoever else they played. Um, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd be a real, real tough cookie. So, uh, I get the point in getting rid of Barcelona at this point, um, but Porto's sunnier. <laughs> I think we've. I feel like it's set up for Liverpool. Oh, not again. <laughs> it's not again. I feel like it's the barn collide again at some point. I mean, it, I don't see anyone other than each other knocking I, each other out. I don't know what the odds are, but it, it feels like there's got to be one, at least one, all English tie. Yeah. So you just hope that it's not. I mean, Liverpool would be a nightmare <laughs> after what happened last year. And United would be uh, horrendous on numerous levels I think it, it, I think it would just it would be such it, you know it would threaten to derail City's quadruple oaks I think if they got United and had to play them three times in April potentially four with an FA Cup semi-final depending on the weekend's results mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of equatable to that period where they had four Classicos in 18 days when Pep was at Barcelona and all right, the animosity of that rivalry was a lot bigger than United City is at the moment but you know, playing United playing City and then City playing United in a Champions League quarterfinal, I think would just take up so much emotional energy and mental energy out of that squad that 
you know, the, the games come as well. Once City have got Palace away and Tottenham at home, they're two of their toughest Premier League games left to have the emotional energy and mental energy of playing United in Champions League quarterfinal as well at the same time, I think would be a nightmare. So yeah. I think that's one you really want to avoid. Bearing in mind all the fixtures beforehand as well, all the, all the games that I've played every pretty much three days yeah. leading up to this as well. Yeah, history tells you that you don't win four derbies out of four, or very rarely. Mm. Uh, even when you, there's been a big gap between the two clubs, as it has, you know, when United were dominant and City were struggling a bit. City still used to pop up with a, a win every now and then just to keep United on the toes. And if you have four in the space of a few weeks, um, odds are that United would win at least one of those uh, on current form. Um, and they're a lot closer to City now mm. than they were six months ago, you know, in terms of, of where they're at as a club. So you, you would back United to to win at least one. Um, and like Ty said, win, winning one, unless it's one leg of, the cha- of a Champions League game, um, would pretty much mess up City's hopes of winning all four trophies. And I think the other reason to avoid City v United as well is that we simply don't have enough ideas to fill four supplements. Absolutely. <laughs> so steer clear Just of that for that, that reason as well. All the energy. Get, get four on it. <laughs> I think it's going to be a very. I think everyone will be glued to the TVs tomorrow, at eleven o'clock for that draw. There's so much interest in yeah, it with, with the English clubs, and you know it, it's one of them where it doesn't matter who draws who. You know it's going to be. There's going to be a, a brilliant draw, yeah. regardless. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. See what happens tomorrow morning. We're going to move on now, but before we do, we're going to have a our little weekly quiz question. You'll be happy to know that this is actually a better question than what I've plucked out the last few times. So it's... <laughs> it couldn't be any worse. Actually, <laughs> I don't have much time to look at it. It's two, three minutes. You're on the background telling me we're okay to record now. But no, I've, uh, this one should be a bit more of a, a trick. So the question is, how many times have City scored six or more goals in a game this season? Oh, I, I feel like maths. you've already done this piece. <laughs> well, I, I did the maths for five but, or more, so I know it's ten for five or more. But we're going to go to a quiz question. Sorry, a quiz break. question. We're going to go to a break. Come on, you're get supposed to be the hosting answer. this, Ash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before before you do answer, we'll have a quick break and we'll come back with it. Hello and welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Before I left you, we left you the quiz question of how many times have City scored six or more goals in the game this season? Who wants to go first? Well, I, I did a piece. I looked at the stats for almost this for a piece yesterday. And unfortunately, I looked at five or more and it was 10 occasions they scored five or more. Um, I scored five twice against Burnley. I feel like they scored five against someone else. I can't remember who. I think it might be seven. Seven? Shoe? Oh, well, I'm not allowed to have seven now, am I? So I'll go for six. I'll go for six. I feel like you're both right here. The answer's seven. But I'll give it to you as well, Stu, because you didn't want to go for it. Oh, well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Get you can leave the board out in a minute. I'm just trying to keep it interesting. <laughs> if we both say seven, where's the fun in that? The, the answer is yeah, seven. I you leapt in very quickly with your, with your seven, didn't you? You well, weren't you've, going to let me go first. You've given yourself two options there. So basically, you were right if it was seven and you were right if it was six. You almost couldn't lose. <laughs> two answers. Experience, <laughs> yeah, the answer is seven. I don't know the fixtures, but I did count it and I did double check it. So. <laughs> We'll take I'm you away it. Wrong. It sounds right. Yeah. So, this weekend, FA Cup, Swansea. 
Stu, you'll be there, setting off early in the morning, I presume. It's like a European away in itself. Yeah. All the way down south. But um, no, it's. It, I was talking, I think it was Rich on the podcast last week with Cy, and he was a bit. He's a bit skeptical of the fixture, saying it could be a bit of a. almost like a banana skin, that fixture. But what, what do you make of that? I reckon that was Simon Bykowski's way of reminding us all about Wigan beating City last season. <laughs> just just wanted a, to get that in there. Being a Wigan, a born and bred. He, he, he shoehorns it into just about every conversation. <laughs> if you ask him what flavour ice cream he likes, he, he'll mention Wigan beating City in the FA Cup. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does have potential. I mean, I, I still think back to, I mean, Newport was in in the uh, in the last round. Was it the last round? Not it was. was so it yeah. was, yes. <laughs> been a lot of games since then. Um, you kind of think... It was, although it ended up 4-1 it wasn't straightforward you know it took a while for City to, to break them down uh, Swansea are a definite upgrade on Newport uh, the pitch will be better hopefully unless they've, uh, they've imported the turf from, from just down the road in Newport of course um, and you would, you would take City to win it I mean <laughs> they've got all the tools um, they can afford to make a few changes uh, you know they've still got players to come back but the squad is still big enough to make a few changes um, so they're definite favourites but it is a banana skin I mean it's a kind of game that you can lose but the, the fact that Guardiola he's probably the only person who bangs on about that Wigan game as much as Simon Bykowski because <laughs> he, he still keeps he throws it up and he'll be throwing it in his players faces before the game on Saturday uh, it, it has actually scarred him I think as much as anything that he's experienced in English football because he he continually harks back to it uh, and it's informed a lot it, 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 well it's affected a lot of things this season the way he's picked teams for FA Cup games and League Cup games has been affected because he's he's picking stronger teams than he was last season and it, it's down to that he's, he's sort of not Hedging his bets, he, he wants to, he wants to win this game. He wants to win all four. Yeah. Let's put it straight. You know, he'll, he'll he'll dismiss it and he'll swear under his breath and he'll say, "Oh, it's impossible." <laughs> but he wants to win all four and he thinks it's possible and he knows it's possible. It feels like there's a piece in there somewhere. How Wigan Athletic helped Manchester City win the quadruple this year. <laughs> As you can see it. But um, no, in terms of team selection, uh, it's tight. Would you think there'll be there'll be plenty of chip? Pep will be ringing in the changes uh, of that fixture, or do you think he'll keep no, it the same? I'm not sure he will. I'm not sure he will. I think he's always played pretty strong teams in the FA Cup. City haven't got a game for two weeks after this because of the international break. The international break works out quite well for them with players not going away these days. Laporte not in the French squad again. Yeah. Um, Aguero not with Argentina numerous others not, not going away so there's, there's going to be a chance for rest so I don't see him making too many changes I mean uh, you know as Stu will tell you Guardiola teams are almost impossible to predict but he's always gone pretty strong in the FA Cup and given the fact they've got a two week break after this I think he'll go pretty strong again yeah I think I think he'll, he'll make little tweaks like I think Gabriel Jesus will come in he's due a game mm-hmm. and you know Aguero will go on the bench in case they do need him uh, I think Foden will start because he keeps banging on about Foden is at that level now you know he doesn't have to it's not a case of just throwing him in as a, as a youngster to give him experience the idea being that Foden can come in and as we saw at Newport um, he can come in and actually take, take upon himself the responsibility of winning the game um, 
So there'll be little changes like that, you know, which you can afford to get away with. I mean, we don't know where we're at with Fernandinho and, and Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, in terms of coming back, well, he, he certainly won't. Even if they return to training in the next few days, uh, he, he won't. He won't risk them. He'll give them the international break to get right, and then City will go into the the last straight of the season in pretty good shape. If they're back, uh, as I said, there are players who who are going to get a good rest. They'll probably go away for a couple of days to a sunshine destination. Every time there's an international break, we get pictures of Aguero in. Somewhere exotic, um, so so Aguero will get a break, Laporte will get a break, Fernandinho will get a break, Kevin De Bruyne will get a break, David Silva gets a break. All these these are if you had to pick players who you would want to rest mm. up for the final part of the season, they're definitely on the list. Along pro- probably Bernardo as well, but Bernardo's so young he just runs and runs anyway. He, he doesn't seem to care, but. Uh, those are the players who you want rested and you want ready for the, the final straight of the season. Uh, so the international break is working out perfectly. Uh, there's no need to risk players he doesn't have to risk against Swansea. They could win the game anyway, stack the bench with with the likes of Aguero and Sterling and people like that if, if need be. Um, but, you know, don't play play players just for the sake of it. Yeah, and on the national break, um, Laporte not being in the fan squad, you've got to assume there's something most personal there because it's certainly not his form that's keeping them out of the, uh, the fan squad, is it? No, I think we've established now there's bigger issues at, at play, whatever they may be. I mean, there's been a suggestion that France have got a lot of left-footed centre-halves to choose from. Fair enough, but Laporte's probably your best one, so... Um, it's a nice look shoot, haven't it? Yeah, so, a lot of left foot. Yeah, it is nice. Half. Yeah, I mean, it's an issue most clubs and countries, uh, you know, are struggling with. So to have too many is uh, is very nice. Um, I mean, there's always this flirtation with Spain mentioned, but that's modern international football for you. Look at Declan Rice. Does, you know that if international coaches start holding grudges against players who qualify from another country and might flat their eyelashes at them, then there's going to be a lot of players not playing international football. So. I don't see that being as an issue. I mean, there's a suggestion that there's just some kind of personality clash with Deschamps or that he feels he doesn't gel into his group. And, you know, he's entitled, to, if that is the reason, he's entitled to to think that, thinks it for a reason. But it's not been an issue at City. And on form, I mean, Kurt Zuma's in this squad and it, it's just laughable that if you're picking on quality alone that Kurt Zuma is ahead of Americ Laporte. It's absolutely insane. So there's obviously a, a bigger reason at play, whatever it may be. And it's a shame for Laporte because I'm sure he'd love to play international football. But at the same time, Deschamps did win the World Cup with France. So does seem to know what he's doing. It's good for City that Laporte gets a rest, but it's, it's a shame for the player. But it's not like you can really be too critical of Deschamps at the moment and the French public aren't going to be too critical of Deschamps while things are going so well. Yeah. I mean, one of the suggestions I've heard from French journalists is that Laporte's seen as being a bit arrogant and aloof, that he won't fit into the squad. But you kind of you think of the French players down the years who, who could be perceived as being arrogant and aloof. You know, you, you're not left with a lot once you take them out. Yeah, it comes to the territory, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, not just French, French players as well, you know, players of, of, mm. of other nationalities who are at the top of the game. I mean, I've had dealings with Laporte. And he, he didn't strike me as arrogant or aloof. He, he struck me as being quite a serious, taciturn kind of individual. Mm. You know, he wasn't wasn't the kind you could have a bit of a laugh and a giggle with. He was quite straight and businesslike. Um, and I find it hard to believe that if he if he was the arrogant, aloof type, that he would 
fit so neatly into a Pep Guardiola yeah. team because yeah. Pep hates that. Pep hates anything that if, if he thinks one of his players thinks he's better than the, the rest mm. uh, or he's, he's behaving in a manner that doesn't fit in with the group. Uh, and I've seen Laporte around the other players and they all seem friendly enough and pleasant enough with him. You know, he, he, you see him, he goes on holidays with the other players. I, I can't see that as being an issue. You know, I, uh, Deschamps had a... Uh, had a big problem with Eric Cantona I think didn't he for, for a mm, while so, yeah. um, you, you just wonder if, if if it's just a perception and I, I think that the fact that he had that dalliance with Spain probably has coloured it you know mm. it's, it's a case of um, you know France winning the World Cup and is this big nationalistic fervour do we really want a player who doesn't want to play for France if you don't want to play for France um, well, forget you, you know, and the fact that you uh, you were considering, even thinking about the possibility of switching your nationality to Spain, um, might well have might well have coloured Deschamps if nobody has. Yeah, maybe the Irish should have a look if he's got any Irish in him. I'm sure they'll take him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be a thing with with France national team because I remember you were 2004 with I think it was Raymond Dominic who was the coach at the time. He had an issue with Robert Perez's month of. But like the month he was born in, in the year, some yeah, sort of we, mad superstition. He set a lot of stories, yeah. star signs, Dominic, yeah. and picked players based on their <laughs> star signs, which is pretty remarkable, isn't it? So, I wonder if there's something in there with Laporte, the star sign. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe he's born in the wrong, <laughs> born in the wrong month. So could be an issue. <laughs> one, look, one to look into. But finally, Stu, um, FA Cup semi-final. Let's let's look at presume and City do win. Would you? Fancy City four City United four times in the month of April. Oh, don't even talk. About Potentially, it. don't even talk about it. it. It would be draining, wouldn't it? Well, it, it'd be draining. Um, I might, think for the fans, it would be draining. The material we write these days, finding something new to say. Um, although I suppose each game will throw up its own issues and its own uh, own ideas going forward, but. The idea of having to do do four derbies, it's, it's bad enough doing two in a season uh, in terms of the interest around it and the, the kind of work that we have to do to go along with it. I mean, the great the great when you get to them on the day, it's fantastic. You know, it's a it's the kind of thing that you live for in this job. But uh, the other side of it, having to, <laughs> having to think of new ideas and, uh, and sort of process everything that's going on uh, and keep on top of all the issues that these games invariably throw up. Um, I had a little bit of a nightmare in this job to be honest with you Ty you'll be looking forward to it won't you no no <laughs> I just as I said before I just don't think it would be good for City if they've got to play yeah. United in the cup they'll make it the final I don't think yeah. cramming all those games into April is going to help them in the league I think it, at some point it's going to take up so much mental and emotional energy as much as physical from them that at some point it's going to lead to a shock result in the league that would be I a think. great way to end the season, an all Manchester, all FA Manchester Cup FA final. Cup final, to end the domestic season. Hopefully, um, yeah, City, Champions, Champions League, League final, final but it would be a brilliant end to the season. I'd, I'd go for that. A Manchester, yeah, I think. FA Cup. I think this is not to suggest that the FA have any kind of say in how the draw comes out, and I'm sure they won't be putting balls in microwaves or anything <laughs> before it's on the one show or whatever it is this weekend. But um, they would prefer an all Manchester final than semi-final for mm. sure rather than you know City versus Watford in the final They're, they'd much prefer City v United in the final so yeah means to be seen all I know is it's going to be a very very exciting end to the season so you can stick with us on the Manchester Evening News for everything City related
Indeed. Thank you, Stu. Thank you, Ty. Pleasure. We'll be back this time. We should be back next week. Won't be me, because I'm away. I'm going back up to the northeast for a week, so nice little national break off. We'll miss you. Yeah. You'll have Rich to take charge, so you'll <laughs> be all right. You're off as well, aren't you, Stu? It's only going to be me. Uh, I'm talking yes. to myself. Yeah, I'm taking an international break. Me and Sergio are going away. It's my nice together problem. Yeah. You're going to be on that Sunday night flight to Dubai with all the rest of them, are you? That's a great idea. <laughs> you and Rich can just do a one-to-one. Oh, great. That'll be fun. Can only pints after that. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on Acast or Apple Podcasts or any of the other platforms you do listen to us on, and you'll get the podcast straight to your notifications. We'll be back next week, so thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>